Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior Podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior Podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Today's episode is part three of the Black History Month celebrations focusing on the topic of kidney health and the black community. Joining me today to have a closer look at the top two causes of kidney disease, type 2 diabetes and hypertension, and their impact on the black community, are specialist renal nurse Patsy Moy and advanced diabetes specialist nurse Angela Thomas. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today? Now today I have two guests, so how are you doing today, Pat? I'm very well, thank you, Dee. How are you? I'm good, good, and very excited. And how are you today, Angela? I'm good, Dee, and thank you for having me. And thank you for joining me. As I said in the introduction, I have two guests with me today. Friend of the podcast, Patsy Moye, who is a specialist renal nurse. And also with us today is Angela Thomas, who is an advanced diabetes specialist nurse. Now, as you know, this is Black History Month and we are focused on kidney health and the black community. As I've mentioned many times before, type 2 diabetes is the number one cause of kidney disease and number two cause of kidney disease is hypertension. And so today we're going to be talking about both. So in the first part of this interview, I'm going to be having a chat with Angela talking about diabetes. And in the second part of the interview, I'm going to be talking to Pat about hypertension. And then we're going to have a bit of a discussion together. So yes, I'm really looking forward to this. So I'm going to kick off with my first question. And this is diabetes. Now, we hear that word very often. Older people might talk about their sugar. I hear these terms flying around a lot. However, what is diabetes? What does it mean? Okay, Dee. Well, diabetes, or as you say, commonly known, especially in the black community as sugar, is when the pancreas does not produce any insulin or it does produce insulin, but the body can't use it effectively. We need insulin to help control our blood glucose levels. Insulin is a hormone and it it helps with the glucose levels entering the cells. Right. So glucose kind of comes in and helps the cells do what they're supposed to do. So is it that the cells are carrying energy around the body? So the easiest way to think of glucose is that we need glucose for energy, our muscles, our brain, okay? And what insulin will do is open the cells and allow the glucose to enter the cells so we can have energy. Right. 
So what are the signs and symptoms of diabetes? How would you know if you had it? So the most common signs of symptoms of diabetes are tiredness, so excessive tiredness, increased in thirst and increased in going to the toilet to pass urine. Probably most notice that at night time because it wakes you up and you have to go to the toilet more than once during the night. Weight loss without trying to lose weight, blurred vision, um, poor wound healing, and in some cases, genital itching and thrush. Those are the most common signs and symptoms of diabetes. And what we're going to focus tonight on is more around type 2 diabetes. And in type 2 diabetes, some of these symptoms may not occur. So what we do know is that you can live with type 2 diabetes for up to 10 years and not get any of the symptoms. So you wouldn't be aware that you have got type 2 diabetes. Wow. That really echoes with CKD where you can have it and not know that you have it. So Exactly. And, and just to say, Dee, that if you do have any of these signs and symptoms, it's so important to make sure that you go to your GP. There's a simple blood test that your GP will do to diagnose diabetes. Right. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> so how do they know? Like, But you just, okay. So you mentioned that there's type 2 diabetes. So clearly there's different types of diabetes. So what are the different types of diabetes? Yep. So we have type 1 diabetes, which is where the body produces no insulin at all. And, and those people who are living with type 1 diabetes have to inject insulin. And then we have type 2 diabetes, which is the most common form of diabetes. So 90% of the population living with diabetes will have type 2 diabetes whereas 10% of people living with diabetes will have type 1 diabetes. But we do also have some less common forms of diabetes like steroid-induced diabetes or some women get diabetes in pregnancy. So those are less common forms of diabetes. But just to give the scale of the problem, especially when we're talking about diabetes, because what we find is that a lot of people don't actually see it as a serious condition. And it is a very serious condition because it can cause complications, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. But the scale of the problem is that we know there's 4.9 million people who are living with diabetes in the UK. And what we do know is that around 850,000 people are living, walking around with type 2 diabetes, but they don't know that they've got it. And the research shows us that one person every two minutes is diagnosed with diabetes. So it's a serious condition. Wow, that that is... So every two minutes? Yeah, someone is diagnosed with having diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Wow, that is that is serious. So if we're looking at the risk factors, who is at risk of getting diabetes? Okay, so we're more likely to develop type 2 diabetes over the age of 40. 
However, in Asian and Afro-Caribbean communities, they can develop type 2 diabetes up to 10 years earlier than in the white population. Wow. Yeah. So do they know why Black and Asian people develop diabetes earlier? In the Asian community, they're six times more likely to develop type 2 diabetes. And in the African and Afro-Caribbean community, they're up to three to five times more likely to develop type 2 diabetes than in the white population. And some of the reasons are due to genetics, so it's hereditary. Some is due to the fact that we're in the Afro-Caribbean communities and Asian communities, they're more likely to carry their fat around the abdomen, which means then that it affects how the insulin works. And we know about the health inequalities that exist within the ethnic minority um, communities. Um, So social deprivation plays a big part in developing type 2 diabetes. A high blood pressure. So if you have high blood pressure, then there's a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes, as well as if you've had a heart attack or a stroke. We have something called pre-diabetes. I don't know if you've heard of that, Dee? Sort of. I'm kind of aware of it, but don't know what it is. So sometimes you may hear someone say, I've got borderline diabetes or got a little top of sugar. Then that might be pre-diabetes. Now, pre-diabetes is just as important as type 2 diabetes because if you do not do anything about pre-diabetes, so normally the advice we give is lifestyle changes, then you're more than likely to go on to develop type 2 diabetes. So we know pre-diabetes is preventable. So it's important to make those lifestyle changes if you're diagnosed with pre-diabetes. Type 2 diabetes is hereditary. If you've got a close family member, such as a mother, father, brother or sister with type 2 diabetes, then you're at higher risk. Obesity, so 80 to 85% of people living with type 2 diabetes will be obese. And we do know that that's on the increase. So therefore, type 2 diabetes is on the increase. And therefore, kidney disease could be on the increase. So can you see how they're all interlinked? Definitely. And what we do know, Dee, is that with type 2 diabetes, it can be preventable. In about three out of five cases, type 2 diabetes is actually preventable. There is some hope. Um, If you smoke... And if you also have mental health conditions, then you're highly likely to develop type 2 diabetes as well. So what is the treatment if you do have diabetes? How do they? So is insulin the only thing that they treat it with or are there other types of treatment that is used? So the management of type 2 diabetes. So it's very important if you have type 2 diabetes that you understand how to manage the condition because what's estimated is that you only see a healthcare professional for about three hours a year. So therefore, you are managing the condition yourself. Type 2 diabetes can be managed very well with making lifestyle changes. And by that, what I mean is healthy eating, 
increasing physical activity. However, for some people, they do have to take medication. So the medication can either be tablets or injections, such as insulin, or sometimes they can be on a combination of injections and tablets to control their diabetes. So I have to ask the question because this podcast is about balance and getting the full picture. So I need to ask a question about complications because I am aware that people may have to have amputations due to diabetes. So let's talk a little bit about the extreme side to things. So why does that occur? Why does it get to the point where somebody might need to have a limb amputated? So if diabetes is not controlled, so if the blood glucose levels are persistently high, that causes damage to the blood vessels and the nerves. And therefore, that can lead to complications of diabetes, as you said, you know, amputations. And it's estimated that there's 169 amputations a week across the UK. Wow. A week. Yeah, yeah. There's an increased um, risk of strokes. And again, just to give you some sort of figures, around 680 strokes can occur a week, 530 heart attacks a week, and almost 2,000 cases of heart failure. So diabetes, you know, and that's just some of the complications that can occur. So it's a serious condition. Diabetes also can cause a reduce in life expectancy. So we know that if you have type 2 diabetes, you can die up to 10 to 20 years um, earlier than those people living without diabetes. We know that approximately 500 people a year will die early because of diabetes. So it has potential for serious complications, you know, life-changing complications, and also the cost of living with diabetes, are about £10 billion a year is spent on diabetes care. And what we do know is that most of that budget can actually be spent elsewhere because we know that diabetes can be prevented. Type 2 diabetes can be prevented. Wow. You know, we don't want to scare people because these numbers, as you said, it's not nice to hear that somebody's had an amputation or has had a heart attack because of diabetes. And what I want to say is that with managing the diabetes with good diabetes control, then you're less likely to develop these complications of diabetes. So, again, it goes back to education. You know, if you want to know more about diabetes and how to manage your diabetes, then go and see your GP because there's some self-help programs available for patients living with diabetes to learn more about how to manage it and therefore less likely to develop complications of diabetes. What's also important, dear, is that if you're living with diabetes, you must go and have what we call your annual review. 
have you heard about the annual review, Jean? It's been mentioned about diabetes patients being checked each year. So I am a bit familiar with that. What's expected from the annual review is for patients with diabetes to have their blood pressure checked. To have a blood test, which we call a HbA1c, and that checks how well the blood glucose levels are controlled. To have their cholesterol checked. To have a foot check. To check that they have been attended to their retinal screening. To have their eyes checked. They can, at that point, discuss if they would need a referral to a diabetes specialist team for support. Support with any sexual problems because diabetes can affect the sexual organs. To have support if they want to stop smoking. If it's a woman planning a baby, then she would need to be under a specialist team to ensure that her blood glucose levels are not too high before becoming pregnant. And to have some advice around diet and lifestyle, and if needed to then be referred to a dietitian. But also the focus from tonight is around kidneys. So it's important also to have their kidney tests. So that would be checking the urine for protein and to check the blood to ensure that the kidney is also filtering for the waste products. Now, people living with type 2 diabetes have an increased risk of diabetes kidney disease. And that is because of high blood glucose levels, which damage the blood vessels, the kidneys. Okay, And when the blood vessels are damaged, they don't work as well. And what we do know is that having high blood glucose and high blood pressure increases the risk of kidney disease. So therefore, it's very important that this is monitored because often they don't have any symptoms. So they won't know that the kidneys are damaged. So that really emphasizes the point and just all the things that you've said. I mean, I knew before we started talking that diabetes was serious. I thought I knew, but the more that you're saying, wow, this is really, really serious. And as I've said many times before, and obviously we're going to discuss a bit more about this later, but prevention is better than cure. If you can prevent going down this road in the first place, look how many things you will avoid. I mean, stroke, early death, heart attack, the list is very, very long. So for the listeners out there, yes, prevention's better than cure. Let's really start taking care of our health and looking after ourselves. So I think this will be a nice point to know pause and now I'm going to go on to the second part of this interview with Patsy Moy and we're going to talk about hypertension better known as high blood pressure. So my first question, what is high blood pressure? I mean we hear this term a lot but actually what is it? Yeah I will start off actually Dee from what is blood pressure? Blood pressure is the pressure that your own blood, which is actually circulating in your veins and your artery, 
exerts on the walls of your veins and arteries. So that is blood pressure. Now that pressure has to be right. And if you look at a lot of literature, they say the ideal is about 90 over 60 to about 120, 130 over 80. Now, there is low blood pressure, which is then the top one, because blood pressure is expressed in two numbers, a top number, uh, which actually reveals the pressures in your heart and the bottom number, which actually reveals the resistance that your heart is having when it's trying to push blood out. So it can't be too much because it overworks the heart. So what happens then is if your blood pressure is too low, I'll start from low blood pressure. When top one is below 90, the systolic, which is the top one, the diastolic is the bottom one. So if the top one is below 90, it means your heart is not pushing your blood with energy, with power. So you are not perfusing your organs very, very well. And because I'm talking about blood pressure today with leaning a bit over to the kidney, I will say poor circulation, where there's not much blood pressure, you don't perfuse your organs properly. So blood takes around with it oxygen, blood takes around with it hormones, blood takes around with it medicines and everything else. So it means that whatever this blood was delivering to those organs is not enough. If you starve the kidney of enough oxygen, you damage the kidney tissue. So low blood pressure is equally bad, just as like high blood pressure. So you need to remember that, that you can dehydrate yourself for a very long time because this is where you actually you have like acute kidney injury problems because there's low blood pressure in the in the body and you don't perfuse your organs properly. So you end up damaging your organs. Right. So I've always been focused on blood pressure being too high, but actually Mm -hmm. low blood pressure is just as dangerous. So what you're saying is that if the blood pressure is too low, then the organs aren't getting the oxygen they need. And so that's causing damage. Yes, they. And a lot of the causes of your acute kidney injury is because of like dehydration, which causes low blood pressure and low perfusion to your organs. And then uh, you have death of tissue. Right. Okay. So I've talked about normal blood pressure. So let's talk about high blood pressure. What is high blood pressure? It's actually when the pressures are actually too high in your circulation. And these are numbers 140 over 150 if you are young, 150 and higher if you are over 80. So we need to be able to, to actually differentiate that because sometimes if somebody's over 80, if you try to aim at the normal high blood pressure as such and treat it aggressively, you may end up with the patients like falling over and having falls and breaking their neck and, and, and their neck of femur and things like that. So you need to try and be very, very cautious on how you, you treat it. But it's actually to know that high blood pressure is not diagnosed on one sit. It's more than one sitting or where blood pressure is actually above 140 to 180, somebody may have to have a 24-hour blood pressure monitoring to actually diagnose blood pressure. So one sitting, one blood pressure recording, random blood pressure recording does not diagnose high blood pressure. It needs to be more than that. Where there are no 24-hour blood pressure monitoring equipment, they sometimes ask patients to go and monitor their blood pressure over the week and bring the recordings back to be seen by the GP 
or you can use a machine which is called the BP True Average, which does it in 15 minutes. And it gives you a day average of a 24-hour blood pressure monitor. So that is high blood pressure and normal blood pressure and low blood pressure. So high blood pressure will cause, if I could take some of Angela's slides, I probably would say exactly what she said to you about diabetes. So high blood pressure will cause strokes. High blood pressure will cause blockages in the circulation. And if you have diabetes and high blood pressure together, that is double jeopardy. Your complications are hastened. They become accelerated. So it's very, very important because to prevent complications, especially on circulation problems, where Angela was talking about amputations, you have amputations as well from high blood pressure. Because really? high blood pressure, will, yes, will actually destroy the inside of your blood vessels and you end up having atheroma swellings in there where you can have like cholesterol deposited and things like that. And then you have blockage and then wow. you can end up having that limb or what that, that finger or whatever taken off because of poor circulation. So if you have diabetes and high blood pressure, then the chances are such that if you don't control it, I mean, are such that you may lose your limbs very, very quickly. Why the type 2 diabetes patients may have the amputations. Just like you said, Angela, type 2 diabetes sometimes is not discovered for a good 10 years. By the time the patient develops the high blood pressure and everything else, it's after many years of the diabetes being present and a lot of the, 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 the complications such as the hypertension is there, are there already and the kidney diseases well are there already. So you find it's quite a minefield. So this is why we always say, Let's try to find these conditions early and manage them early so that whatever it can be modified and can be changed is modified. We educate the patients and we activate them to self-manage themselves and live a longer life, which is full of, with good quality. And also they can achieve what they want to achieve in life rather than live with a lot of complications. So. Who is at risk of getting high blood pressure? And I mean, you've again, mentioned about yeah. diabetes and obviously yeah. we're talking about kidney disease as well, but yes. who else is at risk? Actually, there are sort of like two types of hypertension. There's primary hypertension where, depending on your environment, just like Angela was saying, if you are from a low economic group, you would actually have diabetes. That applies to hypertension as well. If you are obese, that also puts you at risk of developing high blood pressure as well. And the primary causes are really your environment and you. It could be genetic that you actually inherited it from your family and you, you just pass it down as well. If you eat too much salt, too much salt will make you retain water you don't need in your body and excessive volume in your body will cause high blood pressure, will, will increase the pressures in your circulating blood. And that will actually damage either your kidneys or your vessels or damage your, the back of your eyes, your brain, you can have strokes and things like that. So it's just to remember that we need to be careful, mindful of how much salt we put in our food 
look at our seasoning and everything else. Our seasoning is full of is black people uh, salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is some salt which we don't know that exists. I'm not just talking about table salt, which is in the salt cellar. It's actually looking at what am I eating today and how much salt is in there and try to reduce the amount of salt that we eat. I remember talking to one dietitian who said to me, it takes about three months to get used to a lower level of salt. If you reduce your salt, you may not taste the food well, but as time goes on, you just get used to it and, and you'll be able to manage with that. They also say people who smoke sometimes, although the smoking itself, they don't think it causes the, the high blood pressure, but if you are sitting, you are diabetic, you don't exercise, and also right. it just adds on to the risks of, of developing high blood pressure. I remember reading somewhere where they were talking about vitamin D uh, deficiency being also a contributory factor in lack of exercise, actually, like, like I said, just a sedentary lifestyle will actually put you at risk of developing high blood pressure. So if you look at it, what Angela was saying about diabetes is very similar to what you also have to do for high blood pressure. So if you go out there and you are diabetic and you do all that, you manage the two of them nicely. Can I just say, Dane, I talked about primary hypertension. I did not talk about secondary hypertension. Secondary hypertension is actually the high blood pressure which is caused by another condition. For example, kidney disease itself by itself causes high blood pressure. But right. high blood pressure by itself causes kidney disease. So it's a bit right. of a chicken and egg situation. But where there is diabetes, diabetes could also cause the high blood pressure. If you have a tumor on top of your kidneys, there's an organ on top of the kidneys, uh, which is called the adrenal gland. That will also cause high blood pressure. So conditions like lupus, there are lots of different conditions which actually will also cause high blood pressure. So the thing is, if you have got a family member with high blood pressure, make sure you also have your blood pressure checked every year. Just as a wellness sort of check, having your blood pressure checked every five years to ensure that it's still within its normal limits is very, very good as well. Um, It's a good habit. So what I will say is blood pressure is a silent killer. It has got no signs and symptoms. It doesn't tell you that it's there. It needs to be checked. For people with type 2 diabetes, one of the guidelines in the care of somebody with type 2 diabetes is to check their blood pressure yearly when they go for their yearly checks. So that will show if blood pressure is a problem. And the other thing is sometimes blood pressure starts creeping because of the kidney side, which is being affected. Like I always say, the kidneys don't shout. They throw away sort of like a few things to sort of make you suspect them, but they will never say, I'm the kidney doing something. Uh, So somebody with high blood pressure also needs to take a urine sample for their yearly check, to check for protein loss, because that's, again, how you can pick up that the kidney is affected, is involved. And then you have to ensure that if somebody is diabetic, they have to reduce their blood pressure levels. Their blood pressure has to be 130 over 80 and below. And also the other thing that we do is if somebody has got what we call essential hypertension, hypertension, which is a very, very difficult to control, 
Sometimes they go, they are put on three tablets, then their maximum dosage is on whatever, and they can't do it. Four different tablets, and they can't manage them. We tend to say refer them to a kidney doctor because it could have some kidney involvement in it, and it can be managed better by the kidney doctor. And in the Afro-Caribbean people and African people, it is believed that some of the causes of blood pressure is because we've got this salt dependency. We can tolerate a lot of salt in our bodies. So because of that, we tend to then retain a lot of water in our body, which will then in turn increase our blood pressure. So you tend to find that if you have some from the Afro-Caribbean background, you may be put on a water tablet as well as a blood pressure tablet to try and get rid of the excess water so you can control your blood pressure better. Is that the body holding on to salt then for longer? Yes. Yes. The body will hold on to salt longer. I, if you're coming from a place where it's very, very hot, you have to have those mechanisms built into you to ensure that you don't get dehydrated and die. Uh, very quickly. You hold your water longer than anybody else. So the Afro-Caribbean people and the African people and the Asian people, we tend to hold our water a bit longer. So if we take salt, we will hold water a bit longer and we end up having high blood pressure because of that. So it's just watch your salt and not only in a salt cellar, but in everything that we eat and try to reduce the amount of salt. We've got this salt tolerance that we have, which we can't get rid of. But we just need to manage it. Right. Wow. So I'm going to bring Angela back into the conversation now. So we've talked about the number one cause of kidney disease, which is type 2 diabetes. And we've talked about hypertension, otherwise known as high blood pressure. But as I've learned today, low blood pressure is also damaging to the kidneys, so definitely worth mentioning as well. So bringing this all together, it is really, really clear that these are very interlinked, that one affects the other and can cause the other and a knock-on effect of the other. And as you've mentioned, Pat, as Black people, our bodies hold on to the salt longer. So there's a genetic reason that it makes us more likely to develop it. But on top of that, also lifestyle things that we need to look at and change to see how we can help prevent, because I'm really into prevention. If you don't have it, then you don't have all these complications to deal with in the first place. But if you do have it, what are we going to do about it? So as a community, then what do we need to do as black people to be like diabetes, hypertension, CKD, let's eradicate this. I would say just like Angela was saying, is lifestyle modifications could start from there, the diets, the looking at what we eat, uh, exercising, ensuring that actually, you know, as far as diet is concerned, because I don't know, my African diet is very full of starches, which can cause problems with weight gain in the osseous. Smoking cessation, like Angela was saying, will actually impact on both diabetes and high blood pressure. Exercising, if you walk, I'm not saying go to the gym or whatever, the simplest things. If you walk, you milk blood back from your legs back to the heart and when as the muscles are actually sort of moving. So it's very beneficial to the body. I don't know, Angela, do you want to pick up from that? I agree with what Pat has just said. 
But I would just also like to add that you've got to remember is that diabetes, kidney disease and high blood pressure, they're like brother and sister. They're family. As you say, if you've got one, then there's a high chance that you will get another. So all the lifestyle modifications that Pat's mentions is very important. But the add-on to that is also, especially in the Asian and the African and African Caribbean communities, is to access healthcare because we do know there's a, that inequality, and we do know that sometimes you may have symptoms. But you just put it down, you know, or just been a bit tired or or something. And we don't go and always seek that advice and that help. And early detection means a lot of the time that we can put in the education, which means that you don't have these complications and end up with kidney disease. Um, so it's early detection. And like what you said, Dee, it's about prevention. So, you know, and it's educating yourself as well you know, finding out what's happening and why, if you've got a family history of diabetes, you can go to your GP. Even if you haven't got any symptoms, you can go and speak to your GP and say, can I have a blood test to to see if I've got diabetes? Taking that, be proactive. So you can actually do that then. So if you've got your mum or your dad, does it have to be that close of a relative or is it just like across your family? So if, if there's a a strong incidence of diabetes in your family, you can say, can I have a blood test? And and can that be done every year routinely? Is that something that you can ask for? Yes, you can go to your GP if you've got a strong family history. Um, so it could be a grandmother had, um, for example, had got type 2 diabetes. You can go to your GP and ask for a blood test. Depending on the results, it might not necessarily that you need to have it every year. It might be every two years Maybe that you you would need to have the the test done, um, and a lot of the time the if you've got other health conditions like high blood pressure, the GP will also check for diabetes as well. So the older we get, and if you've got a strong family history of diabetes, then it's important to have that check for diabetes as well. So. What final piece of advice, starting with you, Angela, would you like to leave with the listeners? What I would like to say is that we've talked a lot about the horrible side of the health conditions, the high blood pressure and the diabetes. But what I would like to say is a serious condition, but the risk of complications can be reduced by making sure that you have a healthy lifestyle. If you have to take medication, then take your medication. If you have side effects from your medication, don't just stop taking your medication. Discuss that with your GP. And about making sure you understand the condition so you can make sure you're helping yourself, you're self-managing, you're empowering yourself to manage the condition so I know that's more than one what <laughs> I know that was more than one but you know it's just so important we're seeing these numbers increase year on year and what we do know is a lot of these numbers actually can be reduced and the complications can be reduced thank you and a final piece of advice from Pat I actually am going to say 
just like uh, Angela was said there, uh, they actually say about um, 40% of people with type 2 diabetes will end up with kidney problems. But they say of that 40%, 90% don't make their way over to actually requiring kidney transplant or dialysis because they will have had complications and they would have lost their lives in the process. So like Angela said, diabetes is a very serious condition, which can either increase your chances of not having a very favorable lifestyle or affect actually your quality of life because you end up on dialysis. High blood pressure is equally the same. And like Angela has just said that if you don't go and have it checked and have it monitored, if you've got a family history, if somebody in your family ended up at stage five of kidney disease, that's needing dialysis. If somebody in your family has got diabetes as well, go and have it checked, go and be screened so that what can be modified can be modified and you can live a good quality life. I always say, D, you know, you know what I always say? What do I say? Kidneys don't shout. The kidneys don't shout. <laughs> if you don't look for kidney disease, you won't find it. By the time you find it, it's very, very advanced and very little can be done. So please make sure that you look after yourselves and look after your kidneys. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Angela and to Pat for sharing about type 2 diabetes and hypertension and the link with kidney disease and how prevalent all three are within the Black community and also practical solutions in terms of how to prevent and also practical solutions in terms of managing and living well with the conditions. So thank you so much for joining me and making this episode doubly special. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. The fourth and final episode in the Black History Month celebration series will be released next Monday, the 25th of October. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.